This is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his trusty junior assistant, Mr. Luna. I am about ready to kill my wife. What's your address? This is not a joke. Shut up and listen to me. Okay, first I need your address and then I'll shut up. Shut up and listen. Operator, you have an incoming call from Mr. Luna's office. Thanks, Karen. Just put him on the intercom. Hey, hey, Op. How's it going, man? What are you up to? Well, you know, uh... Got done with some stretches. Now I'm having a cup of noodles. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Right now. Do you, uh, you got any more of those 911 calls? You, you got something for me to hear? I don't have anything to do right now. Yeah, you know, I, I, I okay, man, fine. I've, I've heard you loud and clear. I, you know, no, I don't have any. I don't, I don't really want to share one with you right now. Cup of noodles for now. Really? Yeah, well. Yeah, you have noodles. You, you hear me loud and clear. Listen, listen. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be straight with you. I have been thinking about these calls, and I wouldn't mind. I don't know, continuing to do them with you. You, you're starting to see the 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 effect that this that might that that the award awards are having on the. Yeah, I think it's a fun little side thing we can do for sure. I, I mean. I actually have a call that I'd like you to hear, but um, it's more of a palate cleanser. If, oh. if you have something, we can maybe do one right now if you want. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, man. Hold on. Let me get. Uh, let me hold on. Let me get one. Uh, let me get one in the queue here. Uh, let's see. How about? Uh, oh, oh, this one's good. That yeah. Okay, you're gonna like this one. Should I, should, should I just hit play? Or you you got your coffee? You ready? Or you gotta go to the bathroom or nothing? No, I'm all set. Let's 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 hear one, up. Let's hear one. Uh, okay, you ready for me to hit play? I already said it was. Yes. Okay. All right. All hit right. Play. Here we. Okay. Here we go. I'm so nervous. Call started on Friday, March 6, 2015, at 14 hours 11 minutes and 17 seconds. Nine one one. Uh, just a minute, please. Hold it, young man. Uh, do you need police or ambulance there? Yes, ma'am. This is serious. Okay. Do you need police or an ambulance? Would you shut up and listen to me for a second? I, I'm trying to get you on my speakerphone so I can hear you. Uh, and yes, ma'am, this is serious. Okay. Oh, stupid phone. Uh, ma'am, I will call you back. Do you need the police or an ambulance there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I will call you back. What is your name? Let me just, uh, I'll give you a quick primer on what we're dealing with here. Mm. So the guy that just called in, it's 64-year-old Charles Hendricks, called into the Ferndale, Washington 911 dispatch in March of 2015. I've got a little bit of background on him. So Foster 
and his wife Gail Chorus, no relation naturally to Gail Devers, the runner. Well known. Had been married. Yeah. Uh, probably mistaken all the time. Mm. You know, hey, Gail. Gail, are you related to Gail Devers? Happens. They'd been married for about, about a year prior to this incident. And uh, they had only recently moved to Ferndale about two weeks before this all went down. Looking into his background, Foster had one other incident prior to this. It was a domestic violence conviction in Washington State two years before this all, this all happened. And it was for assaulting a female roommate in April of 2013. That, that woman said that Foster had pulled a gun on her and had tried to evict her. He pleaded guilty to reduced misdemeanor charges, and for that crime, he served about only a week behind bars. So that's all, that's all ahead of what you just heard and what you're about to hear. Well, I'll say that we have the benefit of knowing that all these calls end up fairly serious, but from what we've heard so far, it doesn't sound that serious. He sounds like he's drunk. You say his last name is Foster? Yeah. Sounds like he was drinking a couple of Fosters before he made this phone call. He he definitely sounds inebriated. And from what I can tell, the, the 911 operator is uh, behaving appropriately. They probably get a lot of calls that end in nothing. Just maybe a drunk calling, you know, exaggerating a situation. So, so far, nothing really to say. He sounds irritable. Yeah. Certainly. Hopefully he calls back. I hope. We hope, right? Hey, so is is Foster's a beer? In Australia, I believe you can get it everywhere else. Uh, usually comes in a can about the size of your head. Sounds like he had, I don't know, about five heads. So it, it it's not a it, so it's a beer. It's not a beer. Pardon me. It's a beer. It's not a beer. Oh, okay. Is that you do accents, eh? Right. I'm working on accents. <laughs> right. So far, I've I can say beer and Barbie. All right. All right. Well, anyways, can you can you play play some more of this call? Yeah. Sure. 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 You ready for me to hit play again? Yeah, I am. Okay. Rock and roll. Call started on Friday, March 6, 2015 at 14 hours, 12 minutes, and 48 seconds. Nine one one. Good afternoon, ma'am. Hi, can I help you? My name is Charles Hendricks Foster. And uh, I am about ready to kill my wife. What's your address? This is not a joke. Shut up and listen to me. Okay, first I need your address and then I'll shut up. Shut up and listen. I'm not kidding, ma'am. I deserve to go to jail for murder. I want to kill her. Okay. Uh, uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't hear you. Tell me your name again. Pardon me, ma'am? Your name? Oh, my name is... How stupid can you people get? My name is Charles Hendricks Foster. 
How do you spell your name? I'm giving you my name. You want my address? Yeah. Five, six, zero, one, apartment, Ferndale, Washington. What street? You have that? I, you you have send a cop out here right now. Please. Okay. I want her? to hurt this woman real bad. What's her name? Pardon me, ma'am? Yes. Uh, whatever. Come on, lady. At least talk to me. I'm trying to help you, but I, I'm having a hard time hearing everything that you're saying. Your phone has kind uh, of a, your phone has kind of an echo. Have you been Pardon me, Your phone has an echo. Have you been oh, my drinking? Phone yeah. Have you been well, drinking or I using any? Nothing about that. Okay. Have you been yeah, drinking or using phone. any drugs? Okay. What would you like me to do? I answer the question. Have you been drinking or using any drugs? No. Okay. Where is your wife right now? She's sitting right next to me. Okay. What's her name? Jail. Chorus. Have you done anything to physically hurt her yet? Yes, ma'am, I have. What have you done? I punched her in the face because I really want to kill her right now because she's a f***ing drunk. Okay. No, we have not been drinking. We have not done anything. She's just... Uh, I'm crazy. Whatever you want to call it, I'm crazy. I don't care. I want her dead. You understand that, ma'am? I do. I'm getting you I help. I want her dead. I understand, and I'm getting you help. Do you have any weapons in your home? Pardon me, ma'am? Do you have any weapons in your home? Uh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm having trouble understanding you. Okay. Do, do I have a gun in my home? Like a gun? Uh, you know what? It's just in the... And cop out okay, here I and let it go with that. Bye-bye. Uh, hey, sir. Whoa, what to say. So he sounds like crazy drunk, but he swears he wasn't drinking, but he's so mad at his wife because she's a drunk. I'm not quite sure I believe this guy. Oh, no. Well, there's a lot of conflicting information coming out of his mouth, for sure. Again, the operator is really just trying to figure out how serious the situation is. But him saying, well, he's saying that he wants to kill his wife. I mean, that's that's pretty serious. She has all the information she needs. I'll say there's a couple of times there where it sounds like she's almost, she's not derailing him very well here, pissing him off. And I know, you know, that's the natural thing to do. But I mean, Man, he's saying he wants to kill his wife, and then she's kind of coming at him aggressively, speak condescendingly, and uh, he shuts down every time that she does that. Yeah, it it seems I I'm struggling because you can kind of hear a weird echo. I wonder if like was there a technical glitch? Because man, they they seem to be just talking on top of each other, and that's that does not seem to be helping him through this and I can't tell if it's just like the way that she her personality with the situation or maybe there was a kind of a technical delay or something yeah well there's not a lot of rapport building going on here with the caller 
from the 911 operator. And I hate to trash the operator every time we get on this, but I'm just speaking as a human being here. I'm not trying to be too safe. He's he's now hung up twice out of frustration. And if what he's saying is true, hopefully he's not doing what he says he wants to do to his wife in between times here. Yeah. There are so many opportunities. There are opportunities to keep him on the line and make sure that you get, get some assistance there to help out the wife. But none of that is happening so far. If, if I'm like, I, I know drunks. He's on the cusp of, of being a happy drunk or, or a mean drunk here. And he's staying in mean drunk mode. He's in mean drunk mode, but you can pull him out because he says, ma'am, and he's trying to be polite, but he switches off the politeness as soon as it's not reciprocated. And he's treated like a child almost in his mind. I'm not saying she's treating him like a child, but in his mind, I'm sure he feels this way. You can see how quickly he's getting frustrated. He clearly does not like women. And this is a woman who he's speaking to, and uh, she's kind of bossing him around, which he's not liking too much. Have you uh, have you ever seen that movie, The Legend of Bagger Vance? Yeah, Matt Damon. Or the was it the the golfer one, right? Well, yeah, was that was that not Matt Damon in that? Was it Will Smith? Oh, was it Will Smith? Yeah, sorry, it was. I think was it both? Yeah, actually, I think maybe they were both in it. So let me ask you a question, and I'll kind of preface it with this: What is a dispatch dispatcher's role? Let's talk for a second about like the stuff that makes up an effective dispatch experience or situation you know because you've got this this whole smorgasbord of people that are calling into 911 you know different anxieties and stresses and issues and situations and crimes and not crimes yeah and and so what does dispatch what what should they focus on and and the reason i bring up that movie is i don't know if you remember but when he would look down the fairway all the trees would disappear. Everything would disappear, and he could just just see the flag at the end. So, what is the flag at the end for a dispatcher? I mean, they're crazy. You know, think about the things that they have to try to do. They're trying to execute or dispatch emergency services, right? Mm-hmm. That's like that's like probably job number one. Would you say? Well, it depends on who you're talking to. So, usually, I guess you'd be dealing with someone who's looking to get some help. For someone that's already been harmed and and they're they're wanting to give you the information very quickly this and this has happened to us a couple times now with these calls you're dealing with the prospective perpetrator or the one who who is the perpetrator like with the first episode with the woman who had killed her kids or one of them and the other was on the on her way yeah um here you're dealing with somebody who is obviously volatile so i would say the flag at the the pin is to keep this guy calm so he does not harm his wife, kill his wife. And it sounds to me like she is just trying to get the information and follow a script of some sorts. I think that a, that a really good operator, in my, in my opinion, would be able to adjust on the fly. Let's, let's put it this way. If you're in sales and you're on the phone and you have a script that you're following to try to sell somebody on something, and they start going all over the place and, and they seem like they're not responding well to the script, you have to go off script, get those questions out that you want to ask, but do it in a natural way um, so as not to turn off that possible sale. In this situation, it feels like she is like almost bored with it or, or not bored with it, frustrated by the fact that he's not answering the questions in the order that she wants them to be answered. But he's going to give them it, give those answers if you adjust and take them in a different order. It's all there. He's, he's the one who called. And he's hung up, like I said, twice. So in my opinion, she has failed twice. Actually, it kind of makes me think about the crime machine destinations. The dispatcher should really try to visualize 
themselves on scene as best as possible, whether they're talking to a victim or a suspect, and that the on-scene picture that they are seeking is created strictly off of the questions that they can ask this person to build the environment, build that visual. It's blank canvas until they start doing that. I agree with you. First and foremost, this guy keeps hanging up. So really, they are darn lucky that he kept calling. Yes. Yeah. What if what we just heard, what was if that was the last time? There's not enough information in that call to dispatch EMS or anything because he didn't give a street name. Right. Yeah. He, well, he gave the apartment number and all that, right? But I, I don't think they quite have enough information right now to get to him. May, maybe they do. I'm not sure. What I do know is that you need to buy time in this situation. And she didn't buy any time. Like, you need to ask him, I ah, see, I don't want to act like I'm an authority on this. I'm just saying as a human being, as a person who would be talking to someone who I want to continue to keep talking. How about this? Mm-hmm. You, you, you say, you know, drunks. So let's say, okay, you're talking to a drunk and it's not an emergency. You're not a dispatcher. And words, words mean everything, let's say. So how do you keep a drunk talking? Yeah, I got it. Well. He's already told, told if I'm the dispatcher, then I, he's told me he wants to kill his wife and she's there. She's alive right now. So I want to do everything in my power to keep him from doing that. And to do that, like I said, you need to buy time, in my opinion. So I would go so far as to, it's just to get him in a lighter mood. I know how to make a drunk laugh. They, they, drunks, drunks tend to get very dark very quickly and they'll stay there and wallow there unless you snap them out of it, derail them out of it. So when she's asking him if he's drunk, and he's like, Bleh. no. It's like, sir, yeah, you are. You know, for me, I'd be like, what do you drink? I see. You know, like, like get him, get, loosen him up a little bit, lighten him up and, and keep him on the phone. You, you need, to, in my opinion, again, you need to recognize what's going to turn this guy off or turn him on and what's going to turn him off as a woman on the phone. And he's, he's vocalizing to you that he's pissed off at a woman. You don't want to piss him off yourself. So you just kind of relate to him, build rapport, get the information, seep the information out of him naturally rather than these hardline questions. Actually, he's willing on this call. He's like, this is my name. This is where I live. Okay, sir, have you been drinking? That question is almost completely unnecessary. It's one that, that can be, it can incite him to, to you know, piss, piss him off even more. And clearly it did. Yeah. So the rapport building here is basically non-existent. I hear what you're putting down because you should be able to pick up on, is this person going to respond better to a battery of questions Or am I going to have to embed those questions in a dialogue, a discussion with this person? And he seems discussion-oriented as opposed to Q&A. Yes. As a dispatcher, I think you need to have the ability to change gears. And uh, maybe they're taught, you know, to stick to these certain scripts. But like I said, the salesman thing, if you stuck to a script as a salesman, then you would lose almost every sale because you would be like a robot on the phone. The human element is what comes in to make a sale a lot of the times. You charm them into it. And on a call like this, where the man is obviously volatile, you need to charm him into giving you the information in a way that will be conducive to keeping him on the on the line, giving you all the information you need, and distracting him from how angry he is. This guy, I don't know if, if you felt it up there, but this guy sounds pretty angry. Well, he wants to kill his wife. I, I, I don't know. What would you call his issue is currently? Uh, that he's drunk and he wants to kill his wife. Okay. Pretty, pretty accurate prescription there, I would say. Hey, you know, you mentioned something, and I... I chuckle a little because here we sit in the break room and we jib-jab about these 
cases, these calls that we have. And I have thought a couple things like, man, it'd be cool to get a 911 dispatcher on the show and actually ask them stuff. And then I'm like, no, that would be boring. And I'd actually educate myself and I would then dismiss all of my opinions that no one should ever hear about dispatchers and 911 calls. And and I canceled that thought almost immediately. But the one thing that I think is interesting, and this is where I think you and I We are like the three musketeers, brother, and this is that we can have any opinions we want in the break room. There is a difference, I think, between the public perspective of dispatchers and reality. Like there's sort of this Hollywoodized, you know, I'm going to call 911. They say, what's going on? I'll say, this is happening. They're like, they'll be there in eight seconds. You know, like this this weird, mm. it's sort of like the doctor wizard. You know, it's like when we go to the doctor, we believe that they just have all the answers. We're going to go in and say, here's this, what's this? And they're going to go, oh, well, that's this. And then oh, here's a pill for it. But in reality, in my head, I like to believe, you know, yes, there were, there were doctors that graduated the top of the class. Guess what, though? There were doctors that graduated at the bottom of their class, too, you know? Right. And you may have that bottom of the class guy that is giving you the diagnosis or prescription, and he got to walk out of the room and Google what's wrong with you, yeah. you know? And, and that, that could very well be the case with dispatchers as well. You know, they're, they're like beautiful snowflakes. Everyone is different. With the doctor analogy there, if you go into a doctor, you say you have a lump on your back and the doctor's looking at it. And I was in the situation where I had a small lump on my back and the doctor has a guy there who he's training. So they feel the lump on my back and he goes to the other doctor who he's training. He goes, so what do you think it is? And that doctor says to me, first of all, the doctor in training says to me, first of all, it is not cancerous to answer the question that you're looking for. So he calms me down to me, which is the right move. Because he could have had a very clinical conversation right then, like, what do you think? And they're like, well, it could be precancerous. It could be malignant. And I'm worried like crazy. I'm ready to walk out of the office and kill myself. See, in, in this situation, he he needs to be told what he wants to hear. She's work, In my opinion, she is working against him and not with him. He is trying to avoid what he says he wants to do here. And she should be working with that. Okay, it's good that you call. Where do you live? How are you feeling, sir? Why are you so angry? Is your wife okay? Like, but instead it's this, sir, I need this information. Would you, no, you shut up. You shut up. No, sir, you shut up. And answer my questions, click. You have to be able to adjust to who you're dealing with on the call. And uh, we'll see where it goes. You got more of this? All right. So you have a little left on this call. Let's uh let's see what happens with the crazy not drunk man. You ready for me to uh, hit play? I am. Okay, here we go. Call started on Friday, March 6, 2015 at 14 hours, 17 minutes, and 0 seconds. Hi. It's 911. Hello. Hi, it's 911. You just connected, and I just wanted to talk... I'm sorry, I'm having trouble understanding you. Okay. Just hang on. Okay. Uh, are you with the police department? I work at the 911 center. Oh, good. Okay. Send a cop out here before I tell my wife. Okay, I don't want you to do that. So I want to, uh, is there any way that you can go outside to wait for police? Oh, uh, I don't have time for games. 
just send no. a officer or two out here because I'm really pissed off at my wife. Okay. And I want to hurt her. Sir? No. Do I, you understand my request? I understand, and you listen to me now, okay? I'm sending police, talking to me. The police are on their way. Oh, good. Okay? And when you talk, sir, uh, I have I have questions to ask you. Does anyone there need an ambulance? What do you want to know? Does anyone there need an ambulance? Pardon me? Do you need an ambulance? No, I don't know what you're saying, ma'am. Medics? Do you need medics? It's very simple. It's very simple. Okay. Listen to me very carefully. Will you, sir, will you go outside and talk to the police there? I'm listening to you. I want to hurt my wife. I don't want to hurt anybody else. Okay, will you go outside to talk to the police, please? Listen to me. All I want is an officer or two, whatever it takes, to come down here to my apartment, my address, and arrest me. Nine one one. What's your name? I know. My wife. Shut up and listen. I just want to be away from this woman. Yep. So I heard what you said. You understand that now? Yes. I want for you to go outside to talk to the police, so then you can accomplish your goals. Bye. Bye. Call ended on Friday, March 6, 2015 at 14 hours, 17 minutes and 0 seconds. I'll just say this. I, I think that all of these operators were up against a very difficult thing. I don't, I, I you know, for all that we were saying, you know, about de-escalating, there's a part of me that says, I don't know if there's a way to win with this guy. The other thing is this, is the sense of urgency that he has about getting the cops there. I have a high suspicion that he's already done this and, you know, he's not like threatening anymore. He's saying he's, he wants to, but I think he already has, you know? Well, I'll go with what you just said there. There's not a way to win with this guy, but there's certainly a way to lose. Yes. And uh, that's playing out right here. She's losing. If his wife is indeed in, in danger here, very condescending the way that she's treating him. Do you hear even at the end there where she said bye? Yeah. Back. Just kind of not taking him seriously. Right. Well, and then she said at one point, she said, now you listen to me. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, that's getting personal. If you're dealing with a guy, like I said before, that clearly is upset with a woman, might not like women, he's drunk, feels like he's being pushed towards whatever he uh, he's saying that he doesn't want to do here. He's trying to be patient. I'm not taking his side, but I'm saying he's trying to be very clear. I'm pissed off. I'm going to hurt my wife. Send somebody here before I do so. Sir? Right. You listen to me. No, you listen to me. Bye. Very confrontational. Very, especially if the cops are already on their way and she knows that, uh, you know, escalating it could damage the situation more. The facts of this situation are Foster called this. All this happened because Foster was mad at Gail. Mm. Apparently, she had brought alcohol into the home again, 
and all alcohol was ruining their marriage. There's a little bit of bittersweet, I guess, with this, like, uh, you know, kind of this tug between, oh, is she living uh, with a drunk and she's codependent, or is she also a drunk? And, you know, in a sober moment, he's like, Gail, you can't keep doing this. And then she drinks, and then he drinks, and he's a worse drunk than she is. And, I mean, there's no excusing it, but geez. From experience, there are a lot of people, especially when you're dealing with an abusive man, women that I've known, often will get them drunk or get themselves drunk to be able to deal with him. Um, It could be a situation like that, I'm just assuming. Ah, so she could be, like, maybe medicating to deal. To get through dealing with him. Ah. Yeah, and then when he gets to a point where he's drunk and he start, he punches her in the face, it's like, well, you did this. I see. Who knows what's going on on the other end here with her. I don't hear her in the background screaming and telling him to put down the phone and clawing at him. I'm wondering if something has happened to her already here. Y- yes, well, okay, so the police came. They found Gail age 58, on the couch. She was leaning back, staring up at the ceiling, taking very short breaths. She held, She was holding the right side of her chest where she had been stabbed, oh. and a knife and traces of blood were found in the kitchen sink. She survived a three-inch stab wound. So you could, like, slide a credit card tallways into her chest cavity. That's a weird way to put it, but yeah, I get the picture. You know, make a deposit or a, or a withdrawal, I guess, with the amount of blood she was probably losing. Anyway, it almost pierced her lung. So it would have been life-threatening had, had police not gotten there. The police gauged Foster's blood alcohol level at the jail at .232, according to court records. So... Let's, do you know what the legal limit of intoxication in Washington is? I know where it is. Well, not in Washington. No, I don't. It's like point point zero six or something, point zero zero eight, I believe. Let's ask Karen. Karen, what's the legal limit for intoxication in Washington? The legal limit for intoxication in Washington state is 0.08 for adults 21 and over. It's 0.02 for those under the age of 18 and 0.00 for babies because babies shouldn't consume alcohol for the first several years of their lives. Hashtag science. Oh, gosh. Well, then, geez, Louise, he was almost three times the legal limit. Yeah, almost three times the legal limit. So, yeah, clearly drunk, fairly evident through the phone call. I like to talk about the three-inch stab wound on the right side of her chest. Most people know that the left side of the chest holds the heart. Clearly, uh, not clearly, but it's a three-inch stab wound. A quick one. You got to wonder here, and I'm treading on very thin ice, whether or not he, at a frustration due to this phone call, almost went through with what he was threatening to do to his wife. And the fact that he gave this quick one that went three inches and just left it alone, didn't continue stabbing, was maybe a frustration stab. Yeah, you would say, because we do know that there are different kinds of different wounds, different patterns to a a scene, and that rage has certain indicators. And yeah, just a single stab wound would almost indicate to me that he reached a peak level, whether it was after this call or before, that he had reached a climax and had lashed out once and then was like, oh, okay, it's over. So 
it's either it's over after this call because he was kind of pushed to that level or before he even made the call, he had already stepped way beyond and he was like, okay, now it's just damage control time. I'm almost as frustrated as Foster with this entire situation. Yeah. Not enough to go in and stab somebody in the right side of their chest, but this, this was frustrating all around. Get the police there. Get the address. Yeah. He's not stepping outside the house. She asked him to do that. He's not doing it. I mean, just continue talking to him. He seems like the type of guy that you can easily manipulate. He's in a drunken state. To me, it's easy enough well, for me to, to manipulate a drunk into getting into a better mood. None of that was happening. It was all exasperated. Is that the end of the call? Well, yes. Yeah, so the call ends there. Bye. And then the cops show up. They arrest him. He was apprehended and was held on a $500,000 bail. He pled guilty to attempted murder in the second degree. He was sentenced to 10 years and is currently serving out his sentence in Stafford Creek Correction Center in Olympia, Washington, just in case you want to go visit him. As for Gail, she filed for divorce in May of 2015. So that brings up one more question I have for you here, Luna. Mm -hmm. Gail files for divorce in 2015. He is scheduled for release in March of 2024. I wonder how Gail feels about that release. It's impending. It's coming. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Do you know how or where you can track someone who is currently imprisoned in the prison system? No. That's that's a That's a good question. No. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I know, I know that oftentimes with cases that I've covered in the past that people have been released and then the victims find out about it later. It's like, oh, this guy's out there. I didn't even know. So I know in the past that they did not even alert the, uh, the victims. No. Is there a way that you can, do you know? There is. Are you setting me up? Are you setting us up? Yes. To know? Oh, you, okay. So you have an answer to that. So you can, you can track them? Yes. So there's two different kinds of categories of imprisoned individuals. There's federal prisoners and there's state prisoners. So for a federal, so for someone that is imprisoned in a federal facility, you can actually go to a government website you know what? We'll put it in the description notes in this just in case. Because I, I think that's, a that's you know, we all may know someone who's in prison, if not someone who's in prison who was a victim of someone and is worried about that. When does that person get out? Mm-hmm. We watch the movies or TV and you see that, you know, someone gets a phone call from the lawyer and they're like, oh, hey, we just wanted to let you know so-and-so is going to get out. Mm-hmm. In a good scenario, but it seems like, you know, everybody's always waiting for someone to call them, but actually you can do it. So I'll just tell you, it's bop.gov forward slash inmate locked. That's O-C, all one word. I wonder if you can... It's an inmate locator. Wow. So bop. Bop.gov forward slash inmate lock. I wonder if you can look in on uh, serial killers. You can find out what BTK is having for lunch, or if he's uh, feeling a little bit ill. You can check. You can check on their medical status, and you know the type of um, if they're in the hole or whatever else. I wonder if you can track all that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know how deep it goes. What their movements are within the prison. Hmm. Not quite sure how how deep the the it goes, but I know probably health information is still behind lock and key because of HIPAA. But, um, okay, so 
for example, I was trying to find this dude here, right, Foster. I was like, well, I can't find him. That's because he's in a state facility, state prison facility. So if you want to find someone that is an inmate in a state prison, go to Google and type in the name of the state and then inmate locator. And so if you know where that person was imprisoned, like, oh, he's in Washington when it happened. So unless he was extradited somewhere else, which means transferred to another state or another locale, right. then you just, like in this case, I just went Washington inmate locator and I found him. And that's how I found out like when he's scheduled for release. And interesting, this is another cool little feature. I'm not saying this is everywhere, but in the case of that facility where he's at, there was a little box and it was like, get an alert. When information changes on this inmate. So you could sign up for an email newsletter on when Foster is getting out. It's kind of crazy, but also very useful for a victim or someone that's concerned. No, it is. Definitely. I'm super interested in that. I'll take a look into that for my own purposes. That's neat, man. Well, listen, that, that was uh, a little anticlimactic. I mean, obviously, it's. I thought that we had a dead body sitting there the whole time. Not that I'm getting excited about that kind of thing. Uh, but regardless, but now we've got your palate cleanser to, to, uh, cheer us up. So the call that I was looking into here is it's a, it's a strange one. People aren't sure if this is true or false. So maybe like a cartoon or like a, Mm, yeah, I guess you could call it that. Uh, this apparently happened in 1988, uh, to an elderly woman named Ruth. Price. Ruth Price was a frequent caller to 911. She was lonely, you know, old, paranoid, and uh, cute old lady, right? Good palate cleanser. She's cute lady, you know. Cute old lady. Yeah, I guess you can say that. Okay. Um, The reason why it's palate cleanser, it's just, it's kind of like a, a mystery. It's interesting. It's a real point of contention on a, on a lot of sites. People thinking it's false, people thinking it's true. This call that we're about to play, or I'm, up, I'm about to play for you and everybody else, has been used in the past for 911 operators to show them how not to handle a call. So there are some people who suspect that it's scripted. Well, they say that this call is the one reason why you need to ask and you need to get the information out of the person calling as quickly as possible as to where they are. Because you never know when things are going to completely fall apart. So you have a little kid in a closet calling because his dad's going to kill his mom. You need to find out where they are. You don't need to talk to the kid about how things are going. Right. And the case that we were dealing with right here, like, are you drinking? Um, Right. You know, you need to get to the point as quickly as possible. And this is a supreme example of that. In my opinion, it is a real call. I believe that this was leaked because it was was played in these, these training scenarios. That somebody got a hold of this recording, which again is from the 80s and has been circulating for a very long time. It is against the law for them to release anything where somebody is uh, murdered. And uh, I don't want to give up too much here, but. Well, I'm guessing since it's a palate cleanser, no, <laughs> naturally this beautiful old lady wasn't murdered. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say that uh, it's a training call because of like. She calls in and there's unrequited love and she can't find a man that she used to. She's delusional, maybe a little dotty, and she's looking for an old man in her past and the 911 operator is there to help. And I'm just really looking forward. Up, I'm not sure what your frame is for all this stuff. I get a kind of an idea, but I might have missed the mark here. 
Uh, maybe I'll go ahead and play it, but I guess I need to say first before we do, uh, listener discretion it is advised. Oh, great. Are you ready? Well, I'm not quite. We may need to talk about what palate cleanser means, but uh, yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, I'll hit play. What's the problem, ma'am? Oh, there's some guy been uh, taking the place out. Oh. Well, he went in the back. I have an apartment in the back, and he said he was looking for a guy. And he comes to my door. And... Yeah. And uh, I said he's uh, looking for an apartment. So I'm real, I live alone, and I'm an old lady. Mm-hmm. I'm where, where is he now, ma'am? I don't have no idea. That was okay. Um, all right. Well, the 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 call cut off. The call cut off there. Okay, could you play the play the next part? Play the next part. Oh no 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 that that's it. That that's it. That's all they have. Um, like I said, Ruth. Her name apparently is Ruth Price. You heard a little garble at the start there. That was her giving her name. I thought that was a robot. No, the operator didn't ask where she was. They didn't find her till much later. If you're to believe this call is true, which I do, and a lot of other people do as well, if you look into it, Ruth Price. Some people through internet sleuthing believe she was from Polk County, Missouri, on find a grave because she did die right there. If you believe this is true, she was murdered by a prowler. She was worried about walking around the house, looking in the windows, what have you. He knocked on the door, pretending to uh, be a salesman or something like that, and he came back during the phone call and uh, murdered her uh, right there. Well, she was on find a grave. She was born in 1905, and she died in well, right there, uh, 1988. That um, see, I'm trying to collect my. So it was a training call. Um, well, that's what people say to make themselves feel better. If you want to believe that was scripted, you can go ahead. But in my mind, I don't believe that was scripted at all. I believe we just heard uh, basically a snuff 911 call. So, um, Karen, could you schedule Luna for a palate cleansing trainer course, please, for him? Hey, listen, I, I mean, this is the 911 calls, Buck. I was just trying to. It was interesting to me. I, I just think that it's 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 wild. That e- either way, if that was scripted, that is that is hardcore. That would really put you on point and and get ready for what could possibly come. You need to ask where they are. That's. I guess if there's one thing we can learn from that call, it's yes, ask quickly where the old lady is stuck. Yeah. Hey, listen. Is there uh, anything in the fridge here, alcohol based? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I'm going to head back up to bed here. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, great. Leave me. Gosh, man. All right. Well, I guess that's how we'll wrap. I, I, I didn't think this out very well. We're, we're going to have to push our beds together tonight or something. That is not, that is not the way that we format. Yeah. You you take your training. We'll We'll reconvene next time in the break room. For everyone that's listening, please. 
tell the operator where you're at. Yeah, let us know if anybody knows really what's going on with that call, because I'm interested. I haven't slept for about five days. Yeah, I'm not going to sleep for another five. Okay, well, another rousing. Luna, you are fired from this. You are fired from doing palate cleansers for the future times being. But I love you. I love you too. All right, let's go to bed. The 911 Calls podcast is an 1159 media production hosted by the operator and his junior assistant to the operator, Mr. Luna. Produced by the operator and supported by friends like you. Help us keep the lights on by supporting us on Patreon, gossiping about the show, and throwing us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until the next call, hugs. Hugs.